99 Jams. Good morning, everybody. It's your girl, Super Cindy. Welcome to Community Matters. And virtually in the studio, <laughs> we're doing a Zoom. You can check it out on WEDR.com. I have Rodney Jacobs, who's the Assistant Director of the Civilian Investigative Panel in the city of Miami. So good morning, Rodney. Good morning, Cindy. It's good to see you, although we're not in person doing it virtually. Hopefully I know. Hopefully we can do this at some point. So let me explain to all the listeners, you were my guest before my jaw dropped because I had never heard of the, um, the civilian investigative panel. Like I didn't even know what that was until you explained it. So explain again, what is the civilian investigative panel? Okay, so the CIP, as we call it for short, is a civilian oversight entity in the city of Miami. Uh, we essentially do investigations into police officers involved in misconduct. Uh, so how it works is someone can come and file a complaint against a city of Miami police officer, uh, and we investigate that complaint uh, to see what happened, what occurred. Um, our investigators go out and they figure out the facts, they bring it back, and we submit that to our panel. Our panel then makes a finding of fact, and from there, we make a recommendation to the police chief for either discipline or exoneration or whatever the finding is, um, and we hope to hold those officers accountable if something, something bad happened. Uh, we also review internal affairs uh, complaints, so we so we get their closeout files and we reinvestigate to ensure you know everything is thorough. Uh, and then we also uh, look at departmental orders and revise it for best practices if necessary. So our department does a lot of different things to hold police officers accountable in the city of Miami. So ever since the murder of George Floyd, we already know the temperature has risen. It's to the point that they canceled cops and live PD off of television. Right. I live PD. What does live PD have to do? Well, okay, let me not even open that can of worms and put my foot <laughs> in Don't mind. do it. Don't do it. They, they're canceling <laughs> you. <laughs> that guy, you see me quiet. All right. So, um, have, first of all, have the phone calls and the complaints to your department skyrocketed? Well, they, so we've had more, I guess, notoriety throughout this time. So people, we're on people's radars. You know, we have I've had a lot of actually applications are up for people that want to sit in on our panel and really be involved with that process. And, you know, typically we had our meetings and that this is something I spoke about before about engaging with our process. Typically we had our meetings in the past and no one really showed up. Uh, so it, it was between our panel and the city commission are really like the only two entities that are meeting right now virtually. And our public comment has been through the roof. Uh, we've had people that want to comment on our cases, comment on what's going on. Uh, so, so we have had that level of integration and participation, um, but we've, we've gotten a few complaints too. So we, we had the case uh, with Dr. Armin Henderson. Um, he was arrested or detained by the police officer uh, just by, you know, kind of cleaning out his own van. And it, it was a big fiasco. I don't know if you heard about that, that case. Um, so he filed a complaint in our office and our investigators are looking into that as we speak. When did um, that happen? Um, I want to say that maybe a month and a half ago. Okay. Uh, it, it was a while ago. So Dr. Armand Hamilton, he was the uh, gentleman, great guy, works with the Dream Defenders, was giving out a uh, mask to the homeless. Um, okay, I remember. They picked that, the yeah. wrong guy, boy. Yeah, and you know, it was, it was very like Henry Louis Gates kind of situation in Cambridge, okay. uh, in Massachusetts that happened. So, okay. you know, we had that here and, you know, there, it was, it, it went viral, made a lot of media news too. So we've been working that case and Dr. Henderson is actually a, a personal friend. So I have a lot of respect for the work he does in and around the community. So explain, because I was going to say, explain the process before the George Floyd, but the process is still the same. Please explain to our viewers and listeners, what is the process? So God forbid I get pulled over, 
I feel mistreated by the whole situation, how I was treated by the, by the police. And this is for, you, you handle the city of Miami Police Department. Yes, so only city of Miami for now. You know, we'll, we'll talk about what that means later. But okay. so yeah, if someone What's has- the process, yeah. Yeah, so if someone has an interaction with a police officer that was unfavorable, they can submit a complaint in one of three ways. Either directly, you can come into our office, 970 Southwest 1st Street in Little Havana. It's actually the Manuel RTMA Theater. We have offices and free parking in the back. So feel free to come in that way once COVID kind of dissipates a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, you can submit your complaint online, uh, miamigov.com forward slash CIP. Um, and there you can file your complaint electronically. Uh, you can do it anonymously as well or through a third person if they have knowledge of what, what occurred. Uh, so you can file your complaint in three different ways. So then what is the process? I filed my complaint. I dropped it off. I get a copy, correct? You guys keep a copy or I'll take pictures of my own complaint. And, now, and so then now you guys get it. What's next? Right. So then we assign it to an investigator and that investigator has up to six months, usually shorter, to investigate the case and figure out what occurred. Um, they, they, we gather evidence, we have subpoena power, we subpoena evidence if necessary. Uh, we just do the basic functions of an investigation. And then once that's done, we close it out, send it to the panel, the panel makes a finding. What is usually the process of, um, like once it's out of your hands, it goes to the panel, right? Or is it right. still the panel in your, in your department? Or is that internal affairs? Is that different? No, no, no completely different. So we're separate and apart from the police department. We're our own separate entity. We're not internal affairs. We have our own building, completely different processes. Um, the panel is a part of the CIP. We're their staff. We support them as the larger board. Um, so as, then the panel decides whether it's a valid complaint or not? The panel decides the findings, not if it's a valid complaint. Um, okay. We take all complaints. So we, they determine on the findings what would be the um, appropriate level. So whether it's sustaining a discourtesy allegation, not sustaining it, no finding it if we haven't gotten enough information. So they make a finding of fact. And that finding goes then back to the police chief to either accept it, reopen the case maybe, or to give discipline. Okay. And then after that, is what? <laughs> well, then after that, we hope we hope that the officer is held accountable, um, you know, and they'll get a mark on their record or maybe relieved of duty or suspended or fired. So, you know, there's obviously um, a matrix that the police department uses to to determine what level of discipline is appropriate. You know, um, recently with everything going on, I interviewed not only BSO Sheriff Gregory Tony, but I also interviewed the Chief of Police of the City of Miami Police Department, George Kalina. And the question that I asked the both of them, so the, the main officer that murdered George Floyd had a history of complaints, 18 plus complaints, only two of them were addressed or he got disciplinary action for two, I think. And then um, also the officer, the Fort Lauderdale police officer that shoved the girl that was peacefully protesting, kneeling down, and he shoved her. He's not since then been fired, but he also had a record of violent arrest, pulling out his gun for traffic stops, all kinds of stuff. So I asked both of these leaders, um, what is the limit? Like, how many complaints can someone get on their record, a police officer get on their record, without action being taken? And they both answered, but what I kind of got from both of their answers was the fact that how 
they, like they get reprimanded, but it's actually internal. Like they'll get fired, and then is it internal affairs or the um, so it's, the yeah, union? It's, it's a complex system, and this is what I tell people all the time. It brings the them back sometimes after being fired, and they're right. working amongst the officers who basically turned their back on them, didn't support them when they got fired. So now they're back in the system, stopping people again. Right. So it's in some ways, that's the the broken part of the system. And I tell this to people all the time in the community um, for them to understand who to be mad at when bad cops stay on the police force. Right. Um, Obviously, naturally, you can be mad at the police chief, you know, because he does have a role to play in determining what level of discipline and if discipline will be had. The other two layers are the things that we commonly need to understand a, a little bit more. Unions play a large role in this in collective bargaining with city leadership. Collective bargaining is this process where uh, city leaders um, bargain a contract with the police um, employees, just like any other union. Um, and the, employ- the employment contract gives certain stipulations on when someone can be fired, hired, rehired, and the due process that must be done for that process to take hold. Um, in some situations, it's mandated that they go to arbitration. In some situations, it's mandated that, hey, you can't even enact a firing unless they've had 10 complaints in two years or something ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So there's just so many different stipulations in all these employment contracts that are negotiated with elected leaders in unions and not police chiefs. So those kinds of confines keep people on longer than you would customarily think. It, us in the community, we think like, oh, I'm at the police chief. It's all his fault. Well, it, it really isn't. Like he, he can't do anything about that. You have to be mad at your elected leaders for bargaining this horrible contract. The other angle to this is state attorneys, right? If someone does something criminally, the best the chief can do is relieve them of duty with pay. The with pay part comes through collective bargaining, right? Uh, the union yeah, like bargain. What? Why would you get okay? Go keep going. Sorry, <laughs> you have really unions that bargained into their contracts saying, like, listen, if you're gonna relieve us a duty for a crime that we haven't been convicted on yet, you're gonna have to do it with pay. And city leadership agrees to that, they agree to these things. So, so even, the people listen, that we vote in are the ones agreeing to this. That's why right. it's so important to vote. So important when to it's vote. time to vote these leaders in. And, and it doesn't just end with your local elected leaders. And going back to my last example, um, charging police officers for crimes comes down to the state attorney, right? Or, or your district attorney, depending on what state you live in. Uh, these are the people that have the onus in and of themselves to say, I'm going to charge you. I'm going to try this case. I think you've done something outside the bounds of public safety that, that that may not even be heinous, but as we saw with uh, George Floyd, his situation was heinous, he committed murder. Um, but it, it takes state attorneys that we elect to bring those charges. Um, so those are really your three layers. You have your police chief that does have some responsibility, don't get me wrong. You have collective bargaining and unions and you have your state attorney's offices. And all these things are kind of put into a box and there's a bow on top of it from the people in Tallahassee that, that pass law like the Law Enforcement Officers Bill of Rights that give them an additional extended amount of protections and privileges that the normal citizens don't have when you're conducting an investigation against police, which is coupled with qualified immunities. So there's so many different layers that police officers can wiggle in and wiggle out of that keeps them out of accountability. And it's only you know a, small, a percentage, not small, but there, that deals with police chiefs and sheriffs. And you're looking at me like, yo, mind blow. Like, how do we not? 
I've been preaching this for like at least three years, tops. Now people are listening. <laughs> yeah, but hey, at least you're listening, right? Listen, I don't care when you get to the party as long as you arrive. Just, you know, bring me something on the side or something. <laughs> but you know, like I, when I was speaking to both the sheriff and the police chief of the city of Miami, I heard when they were explaining how, especially um, Chief Kalina, he said how he went through a situation where an officer was fired and then the union or is it the union brought him yeah. back and so he was amongst all the officers that basically so now he has you know inner beef with everybody in the department there's a weird tension amongst the department so then what's the energy going to be like when he goes out to the street and you know deal with community people that have no idea this happened to him and have nothing to do with what happened to him yeah it's i mean it's the sad truth of it. And for a long time, there's been trying, there, there has been people trying to overhaul how that system has worked and they haven't been effective because the union is so powerful. They wield their money, they wield their influence. And don't get me wrong, I think unions serve a very important role in our nation's history in negotiating labor contracts and getting people fair wages. But the police union takes it way too far. They deny and defend and bring back a lot of bad apples. So that's what we really need to turn to. If policing is going to be about weeding out the worst of policing, unions have to get on board and say, we're not going to tolerate these actions anymore. You're going to have to find other ways of employment. And, you know, at least in my opinion, they haven't said that yet. But I, I think that fight is with them, not necessarily police chiefs. You know, if you become a police chief or elected sheriff, more than likely you've done the right thing throughout your career. Now, every now and then people do fall through the cracks, but you got to play the political role. You got to say the right things. You have to have a spotless record. They get it. They, in most cases, know what decent policing looks like. Um, but they have a hard time keeping people in line with that because the unions kind of always button up against it. And if anyone knows that best, it's Sheriff Tony and Broward. Hello. And what is, um, who, uh, who, how does the unions come together? Like who's, who becomes president of the union? How does that work? Like other officers elect who's the leader in the union? Yeah. Or? You got to be a part of the union to vote. You know, not, not all officers are in the union, but they get oh, union okay. protection. So you got to pay like a membership, just like any other union, you know, teachers yeah. union, else. you got to pay the fees and you got to get in. But um, not, although everyone's not in the union, they still benefit from the collective bargaining agreements that are, that are pushed. Uh, but de by determining who the union president is, um, it, it's, it's up to the, me the membership. And sometimes you might not have a lot of good members in the, in the union. Um, you know, you never know what the union makeup is going to be. It's all who wants to pay the fee, you know. There, you've been using a word that um, you used a word a little while ago that I was I kept repeating to um, BSO Sheriff Gregory Tony and to City of Miami Police Chief George Kalina was accountability. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that a lot of people are not held accountable for their actions. So mm -hmm. since this you know that's what your department is really about your um your department is really about holding people accountable for their actions so now that there's social media video cameras everywhere now like like i said earlier tv show like cops and live pd get canceled everybody's eyes are on the police and how they arrest people and what they're doing is that making your job a little bit easier? Does it make it harder? How does that affect your, um, your civilians investigative panel? Yeah, so I, I've been telling people, listen, this is business as usual for me. Um, you, every day, 
this is what I've been doing uh, day in and day out. In fact, you know, when people ask me if I watched the George Floyd video initially, because I hadn't, I didn't watch it right when it came out. I said, no, it's like, I'm like, listen, we got 250 to 300 cases average in our department. Each one comes with their own body worn camera footage, about three to four hours of footage per cop. I try to keep my trauma at a minimum as a black man. So I haven't watched it. I didn't watch it initially. I didn't watch it until thereafter. So for me, listen, I tell everyone else, listen, I try to, I'm trying to work myself out of a job. I hope that we don't have to do this, um, you know, in 10 years from now or even five years from now, because, you know, policing has changed so much that we don't have to worry about uses of force or people getting killed. Uh, but the reality of it, at least right now, is that this has been my life. So it, it, it's not necessarily gotten any harder or easier, um, but it's, it's created an additional layer of focus on my part to, to really to really dive in and dig deep and, and keep pushing this momentum and having people kind of channel this protesting anger into our departments. And that's what really has bring it, brought us to this idea of having oversight for the whole county. You know, we've been, we've been pushing this measure now for two to three weeks. Commissioner Barbara Jordan is, is really sponsoring some great legislation along with Daniela Levine Cava, who's also running for mayor, who's doing terrific work as well, uh, to really say, listen, the largest police department in the state of Florida is Miami-Dade Police Department, which is mm. also like top eight in the in the nation for a large uh, the size of police departments mm -hmm. by sworn police officers. Um, and it, it's ridiculous that they don't have some civilian entity that's overseeing their operation. So we, we have a, a large community coalition that's pushing every day, not to just have any kind of oversight in name only, but to have a real organization with real teeth that can hold officers accountable. Why don't other police departments have it? Because like who's watching over them and filing the complaints if they don't have a civilian investigative panel like the city of Miami Police Department, who's taking their complaints, them? Yeah, so essentially they, they, would, they would submit to you if you had a police officer here. Well, we do have internal mechanisms. We do have people looking at us, you know, we can get charged by the state attorney. Not really. <laughs> we, <laughs> We can get an internal affairs complaint, but you have arbitration that gets you back in. So there's really, there's not, there's not a real uh, accountability measure that we would determine to be adequate that we probably get faced with as civilians that mm -hmm. police officers have, right? And I think civilian oversight adds that layer of accountability where there may not be some or in other situations where it's not one that people take seriously. Um, so I, I think... It, it's, it's a time now that's fitting to kind of use our collective energy to push this oversight for the county police department. Uh, but also, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying we need to reappropriate funds from the police to other things within the community. And I agree with that sentiment as well. So defund um, the police, is that what, that what you're speaking about now? Most definitely. You know, I'm definitely for uh, reappropriating funds within policing to other community issues. I mean, I think even if you had Chief Kalina and Sheriff Gregory Tony on here, um, and they were speaking about um, ways in which we can solve issues in society, they'll be the first to tell you that we cannot police away all of our problems. We cannot look at training away all of our problems with police officers either. So under that same spirit, knowing that we can't, policing isn't good at social work. Policing isn't good at solving homelessness. Policing probably isn't that great at solving public health issues either. So why are we spending all of our money on policing? We need to use that money in other areas. Let's cut the fat, let's use it in resources that, that make our society better. And I don't think anyone should be upset about that. I don't care if you're in the union. I don't, I don't care if um, you are a CEO that's separate and apart in a business entity. We all should want 
um, a system that provides better safety for, for the people that live in this country and bolsters public goods and services that make our lives easier. Defunding police means what? That they take the money from what? Buying new uniforms? Like what money yeah. are they taking away yeah. from their overtime right. pay or not that, not that? Like no, not, not necessarily. they taking money away from Right. So listen, the city of Miami bought a helicopter last year. What do we need a helicopter for? Right now on the commission agenda, they're talking about buying um, license plate scanners that cost like 200 grand. Well, we don't need that either. We don't need increased surveillance. Um, both uh, in the city of Miami, officers have two cars, one for patrol, one to take home. Why do you need two cars? Right. So there's, wow. ways, there's ways to cut the fat that we don't necessarily need on the day to day. Right. Um, that don't necessarily um, you know, hinder um, um, somewhat of the operations. Now, although the, there are some people that make the argument that we do need to reduce policing, that we have too many police, and I will submit that we do have too many in certain locations, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, we, we could spread them out in other locations if necessary, but we do have way too many in the Black community patrolling for things that don't necessarily exist there. Um, so we, we, we need to re-envision how that looks. Uh, but we shouldn't do it haphazardly. And this is what I, I my cautionary tale. Um, when we talk about dismantling the police department, what that looks like for black and brown people isn't necessarily the best thing, right? We have a case study in Camden, New Jersey. And also after the Michael Brown shooting, Ferguson disbanded their police department for a set amount of time. And what they opted for, uh, since they didn't have their own municipal police force, was for the county police force. Mm. So in that sense, you have less control, less accountability, people that are patrolling your streets that don't even live in your city. And aren't um, familiar with the neighborhood, the not, people that familiar. live in the neighborhood. So, so in that case, my cautionary tale is like, be careful what you wish for, because in most municipalities, it doesn't mean if they dismantle their police department that they won't have police. They're just going to get them from somewhere else. They're either going to be privatized mercenaries or from the county. So I think the reform idea of reappropriating funds makes more practical sense, but we just have to do it in a way that's efficient. We have to track where to cut the fat and place in other locations. I know LA just cut their police budget by maybe like one or 2%, like upwards of 200 million. I think that's good, but you need to ask them where they're putting that money because I guarantee you they don't have a plan. They just cut it, like, hey, we'll figure just out where to be to in the news. <laughs> yeah, just to be in the news, we'll cut it. We'll give it to Joe Blow in the in the community. He does good work, I think, but he may be lining his own pockets. I don't know what he's mm. doing with the money. So we need to be deliberate. If we're going to say, hey, let's cut the police budget, I need 10 organizations. I need to know where you're going to put the money so that we know that this is going to give us the benefit we need for our communities. Are they talking about um, defunding um, South Florida police, like Miami and Fort Lauderdale and all that? Because I haven't um, really heard that in the news. I just heard it nationally. So, so no, yeah, you know, protesters are asking for that. Uh, that is a, a between oversight, you know, the thing that I've been pushing for, and defunding and repropriation of um, um, uh, spending. Yeah, you know, there was protests, and there still continues to be protests around that same uh, message. Um, I had a question because you said earlier, like the body cams that the police officers wear. Are we as civilians allowed to get that footage? Like, how does that work? Are you familiar? Yeah. Can we just request it and we get it? Yeah, it's public record. Well, so like, if there was an you, incident, like, <laughs> no, because like sometimes I'm like, I want to see what what happened. So even if it it's not making the news, if it's not a big case or whatever, God forbid, my cousin got stopped and they're telling me a story of what happened to them or whatever they got beat up, whatever. Um, I can go to the arrest record or incident record and request the the, the footage, and it's unedited unedited or so they so police departments at least in the city of miami cannot edit the footage 
um, they can they can redact private information, but it will still be on the screen. Like, so for instance, if a minor is there, they can blur out the face. Okay. If an address is posted, they can blur out the address, but they can't cut the video. It's not okay. possible because they don't own the video. The, the video is owned by a third party um, and they don't have access to edit it or even on their end. Um, which was so the big issue around this when we're rolling out body camera footage is the storage space like it's the body camera program is so expensive because the mm -hmm. storage of it is so expensive um it's massive server memory every yeah. stop every incident is every on incident. The hard drive <laughs> and so so if we could cut them we would save tons of space probably but you can't um it's impossible no one has access to do it and the the only thing that you will run into is two things either uh one you've requested it too late and it expired, so there is a retention schedule. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you, if it was um, a stop that led an arrest, depending on obviously department, every retention schedule is different. Mm -hmm. But in the city of Miami, if it's a stop that led to arrest, it's um, I believe four months they'll hold the video. If it if it leads to like a criminal charge or something, it's even longer. So there's there's different steps. Um, but if no citation is given and it's just like a stop, like a hello goodbye, I think it's just like sixty days. So there is a um, a retention schedule. The other thing you may run into is that if it is under a criminal investigation, they won't release it to you until that investigation has closed. Um, and oh, that could take okay. a couple years in some cases. So I would request it before the, I, I request an investigation. Is that the smart way to maneuver around I, it? That's a way to maneuver. <laughs> that is the way to, but you got to be careful. They may do it internally too. Um, you know, oh, even true, true, true. You know, you're a higher profile. So if, if you come on the radio like, yo, I got a complaint, the chief is going to highlight that camera, <laughs> lock it down, we we doing an investigation. So um, you can request it. Anyone can. So we've been speaking to Rodney Jacobs, who's the assistant director of the Civilian Investigative Panel. We're going to wrap things up, Rodney, but wrap it up with what changes do you want? And it has to be briefly. I'm sorry, because we ran out of time. But what changes do you want? And you know you can always come back, so that's nothing. But what changes do you want to see? Yeah, well, the biggest change we want to see right now is civilian oversight on the county level. Uh, we have a petition going, change.org forward slash mdpd oversight mm -hmm. um and really we're, we're pushing this we think it, it this is the catalyst for real change it's it's a tool right to build the house right it's not necessarily going to reform all of mm -hmm. metro Dade police department but it's going to be a great starting point to get there and we can use that as an apparatus to push the idea of defining to push the idea of better police practices to push the idea of of holding um, lawmakers accountable for not doing bad collective bargaining contracts so i think it starts there that level of accountability. And then, you know, in a couple of years from now, we'll get to elect a sheriff and we'll get another uh, accountability measure from there. So I'm hopeful that that change is coming. So the civilian investigative panel is only for the city of Miami Police Department right now, and you want it expanded to Miami-Dade County Police as well. And it's on change.org slash MDPD oversight. There you go. Make sure all my listeners, all my viewers on this Zoom, go there right now and sign the petition to get that started because we have to hold officers who are the bad apples accountable. And I appreciate you, Rodney, for stopping by and informing us because you saw my, you said it, you saw my brain like, what? <laughs> okay. So you can always come back, Rodney, and thank you so much for stopping by. Awesome. Take care. Thanks for everything. You too. Your girl, Super Cindy, Community Matters, 99 Jams.